Now we were in Mark, the seventh chapter, the 24th verse. We just last week dealt with the aspect of what comes out of a person is what defiles a man, not what you put in. So what comes out of you can determine whether something is defiling, but not what you put in, because what you put in eliminates. It goes through the digestive system and it comes out. But what you allow to come out of your heart, where Jesus spoke about the evils that come out of people's heart. And I personally believe this, that people are not just innately evil. Evil is taught. When people grow up and they come to understand, hey, that they have a voice in the community, when they're little children, that's why the Bible says to train up a child, you know, when he's young, so that when he's old, he won't depart from it. In Proverbs 22, 6, you have to train the child to have the right thoughts and about life and about one another. But prejudice was taught to us as children because there were things to be prejudiced about. And prejudice is just a hoity-toity word for ignorance. <laughs> That's all it is. When you say that you're prejudiced about something, you're just being hoity-toity. You're being ignorant and you're prejudging something you know nothing about. So any atrocity or adversity that we go through can't be the reason why you don't like somebody because we have found out through life that adversity causes you to get stronger. And most of the people who have been through some of the hardest adversity, if they look at it properly, they'll grow from it. You can allow adversity to destroy you or you can allow it to make you. And we all have had hardships. This building this country was a hardship. And yet we are a young country by standards of age and civilization and becoming a great nation. We're virtually a young country. When you look at all the other dynasties and countries that have been in power, they've been in power for way more years than we have. But God has blessed America. And there's a lot still to be dealt with in America. But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can't let a few folks just poking in people's business determine that this country is a horrible country. Yeah, there's some things that need to be fixed all across the board, starting with our families and then going all the way up to the higher government. And we all need to take personal responsibility for what goes in our own personal house. You know, we don't divide our house because, you know, divided house, that divides the kingdom. You want to be careful of dividing your house. You at least be at peace in your home. So you got to be careful with that. But... It's just ignorance. And so knowledge can decrease ignorance. And applied knowledge can get rid of ignorance. Let me say it again. When you become knowledgeable about something, it can decrease your ignorance. But when you apply what you know about it, it can get rid of your ignorance. And there's just so many things. And, you know, when your desire talked about the Bible and making it personal to yourself. You know, believe it or not, I have those same struggles as a pastor. But I think as a pastor, what God's called me to do, I want to know more about, you know, ministering to people and sharing. You know, I know what it's like to be a Christian. I know what the Bible says about my day-to-day -day stuff. But to move it beyond my person and say, now my vocation that God has sent me to, where he's called me to be, I want to know more about that, how I can be a better servant of God, a better pastor to people, to lead people in a way that God would want them to be led. Amen. That's what I'm looking to do. So I decree and declare that we will apply the knowledge we get so we can get rid of ignorance in our life. In the past, I've learned about people 
I only knew what people said about people. And then I started gaining some of my own experiences about some of the stuff that people said, and some of it was true and some of it wasn't true. You know, we have the white experience, we got the black experience, we got the brown experience. You know, every ethnic group has an experience. And when I learned that, and a lot of people don't want me to say this, but I have to learn, you have to teach you what God says about it. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So every people group have missed God. And every particular ethnicity, I don't like to call it race. I know people use the term race, but that's kind of a term broad, but it's really only one race when it comes to people, and it's called the human race. You're not of the black race, the white race, or the brown race. You may have a nationality and an ethnicity, but your race is human. Do you agree with that? We are human beings. And we need to start acting like what God would expect a human to act like. In fact, when we read the scripture, the human is at the top of the food chain. God made us. He didn't tell the bear to be the steward over the garden. He told Adam to be the steward over the garden. And he told the bear and everything else to be in subjection to Adam. And whatever Adam would call them, that's what they would be named. You see, so God gave responsibility to Adam so that he could be a natural being with supernatural influence. You know, think about that for a minute. We are natural beings that have supernatural influence that comes from relating and fellowshipping with God. And the more we relate and fellowship with God, the more supernatural capabilities we have. Because God pours himself into his man, meaning his mankind, and there are attributes of God that are resident in us, especially when we become born again. And especially when we become filled with the Spirit. And especially when we get baptized with the Spirit. Because then God begins to do more dynamic things in your life. And a lot of people haven't heard a lot about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, because there's been a lot of crazy stuff out there about it and people doing all kinds of ways, but it doesn't take away or negate the fact that it's true that God said that once we were baptized in the Holy Spirit, we would be endued with power to be able to witness and to go abroad and speak the gospel everywhere and signs and wonders would happen. They would speak with new tongues and they would prophesy and gifts of healing and all these things would begin to happen. But because Satan has gotten into the church and twisted up everything and made a joke of all the stuff, a lot of people just throw it all out. Well, this year in 2018, we're picking it up again. We're picking it up again. God has laid it upon my heart. He said, teach my people about being infilled, baptized, operating supernaturally in the gifts because you're going to need them this year. We can do this. And it's the spirit of God working in us and through us. Amen. And we've been quiet on the set for a while. Amen. I am baptized in the Holy Ghost. I am filled with the Spirit. I do speak with other tongues. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, I didn't know you did. I say, because I do it individually myself with God. But God said, take the lid off now this year. Take the lid off this year. God wants us to receive what the Spirit of God has for us. And don't be afraid of it. The Scriptures tell us he won't give us a scorpion <laughs> if we ask to be filled. You know, he won't give you a snake if you ask to be filled. He'll give you the Holy Spirit and he'll give you power to be able to walk in this life. And every one of us need that. 
Amen. Every believer needs to be endued with power so that we can face the enemy fully loaded. <laughs> fully loaded. Amen. Spirit filled church known to be spirit filled, but walking in faith and in the order of God. Amen. All right. Let's go to verse 24, of Mark chapter seven. And let's begin reading. There's two conversations that are going to happen in this story that I want to highlight. And this is a Seraphonician woman and uh, Seraphonician people lived in the province of Rome. And it is a product of the Roman province and Syria. So listen in verse 24. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it. Yet, <laughs> Jesus wanted to go in and be quiet, but yet he could not escape notice. Now watch this in verse 25. But after hearing of him, and I want to stop right there. After hearing of him, and he's speaking and emphasizing on this woman. Jesus could not keep things from people because the people he ministered to kept telling other people what Jesus did for them. But you see things in there where Jesus wanted to come in quietly and not make a big fuss about himself because I think that Jesus wanted to have some personal, intimate time with people and the time was not yet for him to be revealed, to actually be drawn to the cross, to be hung on the cross, to die for our sins. So what he was doing was he was having special meetings, special times with different people throughout and he said, keep it quiet. And the people did not keep it quiet. It's something in human beings that when we get something, we want to share it. And that's what they did. These people were blessed by Jesus. They heard of his fame. They called it fame throughout all the districts. And so they probably were saying to the next town, if Jesus comes to your town, make sure you meet with him. He's done wonderful things for us. This is the stuff that was going on. Now watch verse 25. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little girl had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. So here's a woman with a very dire situation. Her daughter had an unclean spirit. I don't know how she knew that the spirit was unclean or that it was even a demon, but the record shows that her daughter had an unclean spirit and immediately she came and fell at his feet. And why did she fall at his feet? Because after hearing of him, she heard about Jesus and Jesus had cast out demons out of people before he got here. So she figured now this was her time to do it. Now remember, she's a Seraphonician woman and uh, that is looked at as like being outside of the Jewish faith, paganistic, Gentile, uh, not really a part of Jewish faith or the uh, first family of God. That's what we refer to the Jews. Jesus came to the Jew first and then the Gentile. And there's an order with that. And I understand it. It didn't mean that he wouldn't minister to anybody else, but he did come for the Jew first. And here's the reason why he came for the Jews. A lot of people think it's so preferential and perfect and because they're such a wonderful people. He came to the children of Israel because they were lost. They had lost their way. So the Bible says he came to speak to the Jew first and then the Gentile. Now we knew the Gentiles were lost because they never were a part of the family of God. They were outside. But the Jewish people had a relationship with God through Jacob. Jacob's name became Israel. The 12 sons of Jacob had all the children of Israel, 12 tribes, and a couple of them went one way and the other 10 went another way and they were lost through all the history. So God decides to come back to the Jew first and then the Gentile. Now watch this, and this will explain the conversation. She's a Seraphonician woman outside of the family of God, not outside of the human family, but outside of the Jewish faith. Now, verse 26, and it says it right here. Now, the woman was a what? Gentile. 
You see there? She was a Gentile, a Seraphonician race. All right, now watch this. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. She kept asking. Can you get a picture? Have you ever kept asking God to do something? I know I have. I read in the Bible sometimes when you want something from God, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. She was so just wanting a deliverance for her daughter that she probably sounded like a broken record. She kept asking the Lord to deliver her daughter. And I think she did that because she knew she was not a part of the Jewish faith. She knew Jesus came out of the Jewish faith. She was a part of the Roman province. So she probably felt like she really didn't have a relationship or an influence to come to God to ask such a thing. But she knew she heard that he was doing it for other people. So why not me? And that's the attitude you got to take with God. If you can find somewhere in the Bible he did it for someone else, you can say to the Lord, Lord, you did it for them. And I know that you're no respecter of persons. So if you did it for them, Lord, I know you can do it for me. You have to have that attitude this year. If he did it for anybody, he could do it for you. You have to think like that. That's what my kids do. Let me give Landon something and don't give Braden something. In one iota of a second, I give Landon something and I tell Landon, like Jesus told people, be quiet. Landon will go in there mm, crumbling and crumbs falling and Braden go, I want some. And he'll come running in the kitchen. Landon has some. Now you would think I would know that if I give Landon something, Braden's going to want it. But, you know, I'm just in the moment. Here, Landon, go ahead. I'm thinking he's going to gobble it up like he gobbles everything up. But for some reason, he wants to linger on this one. And Braden will see it, and he'll cry out, I want some too. Well, we're the same way. We see God doing stuff for the Jews. Well, I want him to do something for the Gentiles. I mean, after all, we got here because of his own will. None of us got here because we got here on our own, right? So watch this. She kept on asking. We got to keep on asking. Verse 27. And he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first. Now, you could stop and take that two ways, but I'm going to give you the way I believe it. I'm going to give you the way some people see it. Sometimes, you know, you're in cultures where you feed people and people always say, let the kids eat first. Then the adults. But he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about the children of the kingdom. He's talking about the Jewish kingdom. He's let the children be served first, which said to me and it indicated to me that there was a second and a third and a fourth because he didn't say let the children be served only. He said, let the children be served first. So you got to watch the Bible prophecy is going forth and words of knowledge and wisdom is being spoken even in scripture. He said, let the children be served first indicating that God had something second, third, fourth, and fifth, where there'd be no reason to say first. You got to think of it. But watch how the conversations unfold. Let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. Oh, Lord, it gets worse now. <laughs> we were on to something there. You said, that's me first. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm next. But he calls anybody outside of the Jewish faith the word that is called dogs and it was kind of derogatory i was thinking why would god say give the children their bread first and it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs well at a customary table in a family children many times eat food and drop it on the ground and in the home there's pets and so dogs quite naturally will get under the table and eat the crumbs 
That's kind of a way to look at it. But here now we're seeing that God was doing something first for the Jews and there were some crumbs left. Now watch this. <laughs> I love the Bible. It's the best story ever told and it's a true story. All right. So he says again, let the children be satisfied first for it is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. Everybody see that in the Bible? Now watch this in verse 28. But she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. <laughs> oh, man. Don't let that just slide by. This woman had some knowledge that whatever you have left over that you're doing first, at a regular table, even the dogs get the crumbs. Of course, she was saying, Jesus, I understand what you're saying, but give me the crumbs then. Because I know with the crumbs, with your touch and your anointing, that can do me some good. Watch this. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. Now watch what happens in the conversation, how it switches in verse 29. And he said to her, because of this answer, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. Jesus was like impressed with her faith and her asking and her persistence and her analogy to which he had to respond to because it was true that even dolls get under the table and eat the crumbs. He could not leave this woman like that. So watch. And verse 30, and going back to her home, she found the child laying on the bed and the demon having departed. Now she would know because she knew how her daughter was acting before she left. And so when she got home, she saw the peace and the calm of her daughter that Jesus did not even have to go to her home. He just spoke the word because of her faith. He said, go your way. The demon has left. And she gets home and the demon's gone. See, this is the kind of power we're going to see this year. This is the same kind of power that be careful what you speak this year. Because when you speak from that level of truth, there was no distance between Jesus and that little girl, wherever she was at. Because in the spirit realm, when he said, go your way, it was done, that demon packed up and got out of there. So you need to know that this year, when you speak something, there is no distance or difference in the spirit realm when it comes to God. Everything is like, I can only explain it this way. Everything is always before the presence of God. Day and night, good and evil, everything's always in his presence. It's not like he has to go somewhere to get it. He did that with the centurion. He said, I'll come and heal him. He said, no, Lord, you don't have to come under my roof. I'm a man of authority. I speak. Another one does this. He does that and do what I say. And Jesus said he marveled to his people that he hadn't seen this kind of faith even in Israel. A pagan had more faith than the children of Israel did. And Jesus told him to go his way. And by the time the man got home, his servant, the other servant met him in the street. And he said, your servant is healed. He said, about what time did this happen? He said, such and such a time. He said, that's the time when Jesus said, go your way. You're going to see this year that there's no distance between what God says and what you need. It could be answered at the moment he spoke. That's what I'm believing for this year. We're going to start seeing those kind of manifestations. By the time you ask God something and go home, it's already done. By the time you ask God something on your way to work, it's already done. By the time you ask God when you get out of bed, it's already done. That's the kind of stuff we're going to see this year. You got to have your, that go your way kind of faith. 
is what he's showing us. Like I said earlier, if he did it for somebody, he can do it for me. Amen? Because he is no respect of persons. The same God who helped this person is the same God that's going to help me. He's going to help you. But you must believe. This woman laid at his feet, gave a sign of respect to him and honor to him, laid at his feet, begged in prayer, can you deliver my daughter? He had a dialogue with her and said, I'm going to take care of the kids first. It's not good to throw a children's bread to dogs. And she said, she hit him with something. He couldn't just negate this. Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. I mean, come on. Man, that speaks to me. That speaks to me. That's setting me free right now as I'm talking. I don't have to see myself as a dog, but what I'm saying is, if we could use the analogy that if a dog deserves to eat crumbs and be healed, then we deserve to eat at the table and be healed. You have to believe that this year. I, like you, I'm believing God for a complete and total restoration from head to toe. I want to be a just weight. I want to be healthy on the inside, healthy on the outside. I want all this to be right. But I got to work with God for that. I got to believe. I got to trust him. I got to get up in the morning. I got to go for a little stroll around the neighborhood. I got to push back from the table a little bit. I got to eat the right things. I got to live with less stress in my life. I can't be walking around angry or upset or frustrated about things that I can't control. I can't have any angst about anything. You know, no issues. <laughs> can't have no issues around here. We got to let stuff be. Let God take care of the things he takes care of and let you take care of the things you take care of. We got to partner with God this year. Don't let nobody rile you up and get you off your game. People can do that because they're hurting. It's not personal. They're hurting and misery loves company. And it really does. I didn't understand that until I got older, until I saw some misery. Yeah. And I saw how much company misery keeps. Yeah. It does love it. So don't let nobody get you off your game. Nobody. Nobody. Work in peace together. Let's work together. Let's lock our arms together this year. Let's see God move mountains for us this year. Right. Amen. Man, the crumbs. I'm going to deal with that a little bit more later on for myself. I'm going to say, Lord, them some kind of crumbs. <laughs> she said, even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. Man, give me the crumbs. Lord, I'll work myself to the table. All right. So when they said that, it was so powerful. The daughter got healed. And verse 31, and again, he went out from the region of Tyre. So he moved on from there. And here's the second thing that happened. And went from the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis. You know, one thing I like about all those names and titles of regions and places that he'd been, that brings authenticity to the scripture. See, there's no reason to name a city or a place if it wasn't true. If it was parable, if it was analogous or some way we're just trying to like a symbolic kind of thing, he wouldn't name places that we could look up and see these places. And even though the names have changed, you can go back to the older maps and you can see those names in those regions. And if you ever go to Israel, which I haven't been and I'm going to go, they will tell you what used to be this was this in the Bible. What used to be that was this in the Bible. They'll tell you that. So this brings authenticity to Scripture for me when he says in the provinces of Rome, in Sidon, in Tyre, in Decapolis. These are places that were known. It's all in Josephus' writings. He was a Jewish historian who wrote the historical aspect of what was documented. And a lot of what the Bible has to say, Josephus was actually amening what the Bible says, because these things actually happen. So when they give names of places and 
uh, things and things like that, you see that it is true. It's an authentic thing. Now watch this. In verse 32, out of all these regions now, and they brought him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty. So usually deaf people can't speak clearly because they can't hear themselves speak. So if you're deaf and you can speak at all, you speak probably loud and you really can't form your words right because there's something that has to do with your speech and your hearing. I've noticed that. Some people have mastered it a little more. There's one actor, I forgot her name. You would not know she was deaf unless you really just look at her. She could speak and she's really formed her words well, but with difficulty, it's hard for them to speak because they can't hear. Amen? So don't pray for nobody to get deaf. <laughs> because you're tired of what they're speaking. <laughs> but if you can hear, you can articulate and speak. Now, this is the point I'm making about that. Here's this guy. I like to call this the wild side of Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to say this respectfully about our Lord. Man, he does some wild things. He does some things that nobody else, even Nicodemus said, Lord, the things you do, no man do it. He said, we know that God is with you. So this is the wild side of Jesus. This is not typical stuff. This is not everyday Jesus. When I read this, I was like, wow, Jesus. <laughs> That's deep. But then you start to think about it. He wasn't just a man. He wasn't just a prophet. The fact that he's doing what I'm about to share with you now will show his divinity, shows his deity, because nobody throughout history was doing what Jesus did here. Watch this. Let's look at the wild Jesus. Forgive me, Lord, doing this respectfully as I can. You, my love. Watch this. <laughs> so, verse 32 again, he says, They brought him to one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty, and they entreated him to lay his hands upon him. Now, this time, they asked for him to actually lay his hands on him, right? That's what they asked for. Verse 33, And he took him aside. So they wanted Jesus to lay hands on him, but Jesus took the man to the side. He already had a private meeting with him. All right? Watch this. This is wild Jesus. And he took him aside, verse 33, from the multitude by himself. Now watch this. This is wild Jesus. And put his fingers in his ears. <laughs> okay, can you imagine this now? The man can't hear. He's got a language problem because he can't hear. Jesus pulled him to the side, and he just takes his fingers and sticks them in his ear. How would you feel if somebody came and stuck their fingers in your ear? I want you to think about it right now. I know how you feel, because I know how I feel. I'd be like, man, what are you doing? Your finger out my ear. Kind of a willy kind of feeling, right? But Jesus took the man and took his fingers and stuck them in the man's ear. It's the wild Jesus. Right? So, now watch, it gets even wilder. Say wilder. Watch this. He took him aside from the multitude by himself, and I guess he did that because he didn't want people to see what he's doing, and put his fingers in his ears. And after spitting, well, uh, wait a minute. He put his fingers in his ear, and then he spit. You know, he got a spittle together. You know, and we saw another case where the blind man, he spat on the ground, took the clay, while Jesus again rubbed it in his eyes, and he saw. But this time he's got his fingers in his ear, and the Bible says, and he spit. I'm like, where are you going with this, Lord? Okay, let me finish. Took him aside from the multitude by himself. He put his fingers in his ear. And after spitting, he touched his tongue with saliva. Now, it's written in italicized because it wasn't in the original Greek. But in context, Jesus put his fingers in the man's ear and spit. So they're trying to see how the spit part works. So the theologians got together 
And they kind of decided that if he spit <laughs> and he touched the man's tongue, he must have touched the man's tongue with his saliva. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. Everything about Jesus is holy, even his spit. Everything about Jesus is anointed, even his spit. Everything about you, every fiber of his being is anointed. And Jesus was operating in the gifts of the spirit with working of miracles right here. Because here's a man that couldn't speak and couldn't hear. So he spit, and the Bible says he touched him with the saliva. Now watch what happens. Wild Jesus. In verse 31. And looking up to heaven with a deep sigh. Remember a long time ago I told you about sighing? And some of you may have not heard the teaching. But when you get to a place and you just, that means something. Think about when you've sighed in life. Sometimes you sigh because you're astonished by things. You go, like, and sometimes you sigh because you're trying to communicate something through that sigh that is divine, on order, and you're sighing to God the Father. He says that to us in Romans 8 when he talks about the Holy Spirit takes our groaning and moaning because we don't know how to articulate the words. And with those groaning too deep for words, it's like a sigh. The Holy Spirit knows what is in those sighs. When my mom used to sigh, she'd be tired sometimes, and she would just sigh, and it was almost like she was taking another breath of strength. It was almost like Jesus made a demand on the heavenly host, and he sighed. God the Father just replenishing him for who he is and what he was doing in the earth realm, giving glory to the Father. So watch this. He says, looking up to heaven with a deep sigh. Wow. He said to him, Ephatha, Ephatha, that is, be open. Imagine that. We're getting ready to do something. Ephatha, be open. Wild Jesus. Put his finger in the man's ear, spit, touch his tongue. Now, watch, here's the miracle. I knew this is crazy, right? This is crazy. Fingers for the hearing and saliva for the talking. Put his fingers in his ear because he couldn't hear. And when he spit, he touched his tongue to loose his tongue. He said, be open, be open. You know, Jesus didn't do a whole lot of begging heaven to do something. He operated as we are to operate by the spirit and to declare a thing. And when he spoke and said, be open to this guy, watch what happens. Let's see if Jesus had a mishap here. In verse 35, and his ears were opened. Now watch this. And the impediment of his tongue was removed. And he began speaking plainly. You see that? He touched his ears. He touched his tongue. He says his ears became open. And the impediment of his tongue was removed. And he began to speak plainly. Now watch verse 36. And he gave them orders, again, not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. Now look at 37. And they were utterly astonished, saying, He has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. That's deep. This hasn't gone anywhere. God is still doing things like this today. Why don't we see more of it? Because people don't believe it. They don't have faith for it. I declare this year we'll have faith for it. We'll trust God in it. 
That's what I have for you today until next week. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen.